Hey guys, it's Leah B from Prestige Veteran Medical Consulting. I'm a U.S. Army veteran, physician assistant, and former compensation and pension examiner. Today, I want to come on and discuss insomnia and how it can be related to tinnitus or tinnitus and VA disability. So there are a lot of people that are service-connected for a mental health condition, whether it's insomnia, anxiety, depression, related to tinnitus, or, or a lot of other medical conditions, right? So first, let's start, start off by talking about um, what is insomnia, right? So there, for ratings purposes, insomnia is considered a mental health condition, right? So that may be, that may be a surprise to some of you all, but it is rated based on the, um, the schedule of mental health ratings. And we'll go over that um, a little bit towards the end, but the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental uh, Health Disorders, or the DSM, and the current version, I believe, is the DSM-5, um, defines this, I got to pull it up here, um, insomnia disorder as a sleep-wake disorder. And there's several things in the DSM that have to be observed or kind of checked off for you to meet that criteria for this disorder. Um, some of them include dissatisfaction with quality of sleep associated with one or more of the following symptoms, difficulty initiating sleep, maintaining sleep. So initiating sleep is clearly having um, a hard time falling asleep. And then sleep maintenance would be if you're having a difficult time staying asleep throughout the night, okay? Or early morning awakening with inability to return to sleep. Um, and that it has been going on for at least three months. Um, some of the other criteria are that um, it causes clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, educational, academic, behavioral, other important areas of functioning. Um, it happens at least three nights per week. It occurs despite adequate opportunity for sleep. Okay, so you're trying, you have that adequate opportunity. There aren't other factors, you know, um, your work schedule, et cetera, um, a baby waking you up throughout the night. The insomnia is not better explained by and does not occur exclusive, exclusively during the course of another sleep-wake disorder, for example, narcolepsy, um, a breathing-related sleep disorder, a circadian rhythm sleep-wake disorder, or a parasomnia, right? Coexisting mental disorders and medical conditions do not adequately adequately explain the predominant complaint of insomnia, right? So um, a lot of times people have other mental health conditions like depression or PTSD or anxiety and insomnia is a symptom of that disorder, right? Um, the insomnia is not attributable, attributable to the psychological effects of a substance, um, for example, drug abuse um, or just a medication that you're taking, right? Okay, so that, that's some of the basics of insomnia as a definition, right, from the DSM-5. So let's talk about how it can be related to service. So it can be related on a primary or a secondary basis, okay? So from a primary or a direct standpoint, insomnia, if you were diagnosed in service with this, um, you may have a very easy time getting it service-connected, not always, depending on if you've had gaps of care or if there are other, um, you know, specific reasons, you know, perhaps your characterization of discharge, et cetera. But if you were diagnosed with insomnia and had a protracted history of insomnia while in service, there's a good chance, especially if it's shortly after service or um, you know, it continued and it was well-documented that you can potentially get that uh, uh, service connected on a direct or primary basis. So also I would throw this out here in all of my 
um, videos that I am not an accredited, I'm not a legal professional, so I'm not an accredited claims agent, BSO, or an attorney. It's best for you to follow up with one of those folks to help you file your claims and look at strategy for um, the claims process. I'm a medical professional um, and assist with medical opinions um, that veterans sometimes use to accompany their um, claims if they so choose to, or if their attorney and or their legal representative, um, they collaborate and decide that that might be good for their case. Okay, so back to what we were discussing. So on a secondary basis, there are a lot of physical conditions that can um, contribute to insomnia, right? So tinnitus is one of them or tinnitus, right? So I wanted to talk about that today. So I'm going to share some of the research that we use when we talk about this. Usually um, we have some psychologists on our team that write up these types of letters, but also um, your, your primary doctor can do it or nurse practitioner or PA or, or whoever you're seeing. Um, or again, if you're experiencing this and you decide to file a claim for this, the VA will evaluate that and take a look at that with you, depending on the circumstances. OK, so let's go over some of those articles. So. Um, a study of veterans with tinnitus who use um, Veterans Administration found that tinnitus is closely linked to mental health ailments and the authors of mental health symptoms among veterans VA users by tinnitus severity, a population based survey published in Military Medicine asserts that tinnitus severity predicts the intensity of other health issues and they emphasize the connection between the experiences of ringing in the ears and mental health symptoms. Um, another article, Tinnitus and its Association with Mental Health and Health-Related Quality of Life in an Older Population, a nationwide cross-sectional study that was published in the Journal of Applied um, Gerontology is another article to take a look at. And then Mental Health Symptoms Among Veteran VA Users by Tinnitus Severity, a population-based survey um, that is very similar. Actually, I think it's it is the same one I already mentioned. Sorry about that. So those are those are a couple. Here's one more um, correlation of the tinnitus handicap inventory with depression, and anxiety, and veterans with tinnitus. Um, that's from the National Institute of Health's National Library of Medicine. Okay, so those are some articles you might want to take a look at. Go over with your healthcare provider, see if they can support an opinion for you if they believe it's related. Um, let's talk about the ratings. I don't generally get into the ratings a ton because it's really not my area of expertise, but a lot of veterans ask, and this is publicly available information, you can take a look at the 38 Code of Federal Regulation, which will describe this under the schedule of ratings for mental health disorders. Remember, this is always subject to change, um, so it's important for you to follow up with a legal professional about that to make sure that um, you have a clear understanding of ratings, right? So um, at the 0% level, a person is diagnosed, but symptoms are not severe enough to interfere in occupational or, or social settings. 10% occupational or social impairment due to mild or transient symptoms. 30% is going to be when you have occupational and social impairment with social decreases and work efficiency and intermittent periods of inability to perform occupational tasks. 50% presents occupational and social impairment with re reduced reliability. 70% is going to be deficiency in most areas with occupational and social impairment. And then 100% is total occupational and social impairment. Um, the person might um, be experiencing that. So I hope this was helpful. Thank you for watching. Um, please drop some comments if you guys have any um, thoughts or questions. And if there are any other videos that you guys are interested in having me talk about. All right. Thanks for watching. See ya.